0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today.
1: This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined once again by my co-host, Brian Tallman. How's it going?
2: Going very well, Al. Thank you for having me, as always.
1: Yes. How was the weekend? You were up in uh, Albany for the uh, the Hall of Fame, right?
2: Yeah, the second weekend, second annual, and um, they're doing a great job up there. They have their work cut out for them because they're trying to kind of step into the void that was left by the old Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, the one that moved to Texas and then just kind of shut down and they were doing a great job they had they actually had one of the inductees um there in person this year dory funk jr and stone cold steve austin who was the other kind of headliner they had a video message from him that bill after did uh it was a very cool weekend cool banquet i oh, and i got to induct ricky choshu myself so oh, how awesome yeah 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 are you a fan big fan of him yeah well you know i i'm a fan of when it comes to Japanese wrestling, that's kind of, I mean, it, it's never been my favorite favorite, but that's my favorite era. That 80s and 90s, kind of like the second golden age, the second wave of, of of Japanese superstars. That's really what I enjoy the most. So that was right in my sweet spot.
1: Yeah. And did Bill get some kind of honor himself? I saw him with a belt.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Bill is the MC two years Okay. Now. And Bill is the holder, along with JJ Dillon, of the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Tag Team Championship. Uh, so <laughs> is, is sort of, he following
1: uh, the every 30 day defense uh,
2: rule? <laughs> well, it's on a level of prestige, I guess, with the 24 7 title and things like that. <laughs> um, they've been, <laughs> he, in fact, he teased Stone Cold about that. That was the real reason why he wouldn't show up at the banquet because he couldn't find a partner to challenge him for the tag team title. So <laughs> that's great. sounds
1: like it's fun. I know yeah. Kevin was there also, uh, our yeah. editor.
2: Yeah. Kevin was there and he had a table. I had a table for my book, you know, cause sort of like in the daytime, they have a whole kind of souvenir room and autograph room and things like that. So it's like a whole weekend built around that. And actually, uh, bill does this one man show the night before, which is hilarious. Kevin was going to go, but he he and his wife just completely crashed after the long drive up there and they couldn't make it. But um, he did this whole video recounting partly his time at PWI, meaning Bill Aptor and the old uh, championship uh, office wrestling belt. Yeah. And he even had video footage of some of the matches that he had in the office. Like with RVD and, wow. and Tommy Dreamer and Dan Severn and different people trying to take his belt. There's a shot of RVD doing a moonsault off a desk in the PWI office onto Bill, who is laying on the floor. <laughs> Has to be seen to be believed. Yes, <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it sounds a lot of fun. I, I'm half kicking myself for, for not making it. Maybe next year I'll make it a a point to join fun. you guys yeah, yeah 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 all right and also uh joining us uh for this episode we've got clash of the castle in the uk first uk pay-per-view in 30 years and so we thought it would be a good time to bring in our own uk correspondent jason mcveigh
3: how's it going jason i'm good thank you thank you for having me it's uh, kind of a case of a uh, long-time listener first-time caller <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think you're more than that yes i mean jason does a, a ton for the magazine just brought back the pwi uh, weekly newsletter. And, uh, yeah, you're a few hours ahead of us, right? We were originally going to do this in the evening. And then, uh, Kevin brought it to my attention that that would be like the middle of the night for you. So we moved it up, son. Uh, so, uh, I'm glad you could join you're us. You're
2: the one to blame. Okay. now I <laughs> got it.
1: Thanks. Sorry.
3: <laughs>
1: so we're going to talk to Jason and, uh, Brian, of course, about, uh, a busy, uh, weekend coming up in professional wrestling after summer slide usually a little bit of a lull, but that's certainly not the case with the loaded weekend. we got clash at the castle. Um, over at the UK with WWE and uh, a huge main event with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. A lot of people are predicting maybe a title change. Uh, And then, of course, AEW has one of its big signature events of the year all out. Uh, But, you know, kind of a weird time for AEW right now. A lot of the news coming out of there has not been so great. We'll talk about uh, all that in a bit. Uh, and then later on, we're going to hear an interview uh, with one of the stars of AEW and also one of the people who's kind of been in the headlines, maybe for the wrong reasons as of late, uh, Eddie Kingston. I got to talk to him for uh, the latest issue, our hot seat interview. We're going to have uh, some of that here. Some of the the stories out there have been about Eddie maybe not being able to control his temper and some backstage blow-ups. And um, we had this conversation uh, several weeks ago, but he's certainly uh kind of um foreshadowed some of that so uh stay tuned a really really fun conversation um with eddie and just listening to it you get why the guy is uh so beloved i mean they they don't come much more authentic uh than eddie kingston so stay tuned uh right now i want to tell you about the latest issue of pro wrestling illustrated it is the november 2022 issue i'm told that it is now available on newsstands i got mine in the mail You can certainly download it uh, digitally. It is the uh, 2022 PWI poll issue. And uh, there's so much. It's it's 50 questions uh, on pro wrestling. We put it out to you. The readers uh, got uh, loads of responses. We've got the Eddie Kingston hot seat interview. What else is in here? Uh, What are you guys doing here? Enough about me. How about you guys? <laughs> I
2: have I have a column in there on the 50th anniversary of Bruno San Martino versus Pedro Morales at Shea Stadium, uh, which was the first of those Shea Super Shows. And I also have a column about... You know, kind of looking back on they just had the 20th anniversary of John Cena in WWE, and it got me thinking of kind of being around him in his early years with the company when he was just kind of making a name for himself and what he was like and some of those experiences. So uh, so that's my other column in that issue.
1: Great. Yeah. And I've seen now there's features on uh, Taya Valkyrie, uh, on Killer Kelly over at Impact and uh, so much more. Uh, go to PWI hyphen online dot com and pick it up. We are uh, about to put the bed, or, or might have just put the bed, the PWI 500. So that's going to be out uh, before you know. That's that's the biggie, uh, and uh, are already starting to talk and, and plan for the women's 150, and then the uh, the tag team rankings. So kind of getting into our busy season. Uh, you don't want to miss any of it. Go to pwi onlinecom Also, there as I mentioned, you could uh, get the PWI weekly newsletter. Uh, Jason, uh, this was a staple for many years, way back when I was uh, a kid reading the magazines. Uh, Kevin brought it back some uh, time ago, and then um, it it kind of slipped away. And thanks to you in large part, uh, it's back. Can you talk about the the, the newsletter and and why people should uh, go and subscribe?
3: Yeah, well, Kevin is too modest about this. It was his idea to bring it back. And I think he had always planned to bring it back. Me being me, I jumped at the chance to kind of get involved with it and help him again. Um, I'm a sucker for keeping any kind of tradition alive. And as you alluded to, it's been a big PWI tradition for a while. So we've got it back and we kind of revamped it a little bit. It's less about breaking news because that's not what we're doing. There's you know a ton of wrestling sites that go by the minute update. What we're trying to do is just give a little bit more insight a little bit more topical about things that are kind of catching our attention at the moment in the business and so yeah um, it comes out in mailboxes usually every monday so pro wrestling illustrated.substack.com is where you can find it
1: excellent excellent so uh, again i think links to everything at our uh, website uh, pwi-online.com so let's talk about a pretty busy weekend coming up and uh, just kind of the goings-on let's start with AEW uh, which we haven't spoken about as much uh, lately. Uh, Brian, the news, you know, I, I don't want to overstate things, uh, but th- the reality is that there's definitely been a switch, right, where uh, WWE's had a lot of the good press and and they've got kind of momentum and people are talking about uh, the bro- product being hotter than it's been in a long time. And on the flip side, AEW's ratings have uh, not been great. And a lot of the stories coming out uh, of there—not not just the on-air stuff, but but backstage—have been about some unease, uh, uh, discontent uh, in in uh, AEW. Some of it related to CM Punk, um, and we hear the stories of you know we we saw him out there uh, uh, go to business uh, for himself, talking about a Hangman Page. There's backstage stories about um, Colt Cabana. Uh, being let go, later being moved to to Ring of Honor. But there's definitely this picture of kind of like, you know, a, a, a locker room um, going through some changes, going through some uh, turmoil uh, again. What do you make of it? I mean, are, are these signs of a serious problem? Is it maybe exaggerated? Is it just growing pains of a company that is barely three years old?
2: Well, it just goes to show how you always have to reserve judgment. Cause I mean, it was just a few months ago that we were talking about, you know, how hot AEW was and how WWE was, was kind of flailing around. And, you know, the tables have turned here. I don't know. I mean, so that's why I'm not going to make the same mistake and pass any kind of swift judgments, but. There's alarming things going on. Like it, it just seems to go back to the sense that, and I remember this even in the WCW days when we'd have guys jump over from the other side or whatever, and they would always say how the difference with WWE, and I think it's still the difference even with Vince gone, is that there's much more order and kind of structure. You know who to answer to. You know what's going on. There's not too many cooks, whereas WCW wasn't like that. And I think AEW is having the same issue right now. I just get the sense that, of course, yes, Tony Khan is in charge, but in charge in capital letters, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's It seems to be the kind of thing where the, the, um, the, in, the as- inmates are running the asylum, for lack of a better expression. I'm not saying they're crazy, but just that that, you know, people are allowed, I think, maybe to have more influence and say than is healthy. And, and not only that, but there seem to be no, I don't know, it, it just seems like the Wild West, like the, you talked about CM Punk going into business for himself, but we have to point out that it seems like CM Punk, what he did, which, I, you know, was a response to what Paige had done during their confrontation, originally building their match a while back where Page I guess, apparently went into business for himself and said a lot of unscripted things to punk related to, you know, maybe punk's unpopularity in the locker room and things like that. And punk had taken offense to it. And I have to say like, if that's true, and page had done that originally, there should have been serious ramifications. Can you imagine if that had happened in WWE, you know what I mean? And somebody had gone off script and just buried you know, a major star that they had acquired or whatever. I mean, that person might have been suspended for some, just for doing something like that. So it just seems to be a lot more chaotic and the attention is not what it was. I mean, Rampage in particular is the, the ratings are, I mean, there's no way to spin it. I mean, the ratings are in the toilet to the point where you have to wonder with the Warner Media and Discovery and all those shakeups going on. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question, A, that a show like that, could get canceled. And B, the the whole issue of the rights fees with AEW, which is like the bread and butter of these wrestling companies, um what kind of a deal are they going to get from from t- for TBS and TNT, you know, going forward. I know they were hoping for like a really sweet deal that would have given them tons of capital to move ahead with, but I don't think that's anywhere near guaranteed now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Rampage, I remember when they launched Rampage, I guess it's less than a year ago. Um, the the big selling point was this is not going to be a B show and and it's it's I don't know if it's a C or D show I mean it it um it's completely skippable uh, and I, I think you you absolutely hit on something that was my thought too and and it is the the difference in management and for you know from when AEW launched the kind of selling point was that it was a company run by the boys right and you've got Omega and and the Bucks as uh, executive VPs Cody. Um, at the time, uh, also, and again, it was sort of like a, a wrestling company run by um, the wrestlers, and and that was attractive um, for for wrestlers and for fans. But I do think you're starting to see some of uh, the the kind of byproducts of that that they're maybe not w- wanted, and why you do need a firm hand um, at the top. And it it absolutely feels like. Some of this is what happens when you're trying to make everybody happy, you know, yes. and um, you're you're not in control, and it means being the bad guy uh, sometimes, and it doesn't have to be a Vince McMahon type, but I do think it needs to be uh, a kind of a, a firm hand. Uh, Jason, I want to talk about a uh, CM Punk because I think it's an important part of this, but. Uh, you know, I've seen memes and jokes about, uh, you know, WWE kind of, you know, telling everybody, I told you so. This is what you were, this is why we didn't want to work with the guy. And for better or for worse, he he has had a reputation that goes, you know, way uh, uh, before AW. I remember being at a press conference for WrestleMania uh, 29, which is the one that was at, at MetLife Stadium here in, in the New York area. And uh, so this is nine years ago. And uh, Punk was working with The Undertaker um, that year. And um, there was like a press availability where where there's the gaggle with all the reporters. And he is such a sad sack and so miserable. And um, the the story that came out of it was that he thought he should be in the main event. Uh, And it was John Cena and The Rock that year. Um, but, you know, I don't know really you call it delusional, but but it's certainly uh, a, a guy who thinks very highly of himself and has a reputation for kind of being a malcontent, sort of being miserable. Uh, and w- we, we saw that in why he left WWE. I think he ended up garnering a lot of support and goodwill from fans. But now all these years later, uh, whether it's how it manifested here in this situation with with Paige or Cabana uh, th- and, and not knowing the details and, and who's right and who's wrong, but there is an, an air of um, this guy can be hard to get along with. And uh, you hear stories like that all the time from backstage. So all, all of that to say uh, is to ask you, Was um, do you think there's any buyer's remorse here uh, with with uh, them getting in, into business with CM Punk?
3: I don't know if there's buyer's remorse yet. That may come. Um, I think Brian posted a tweet last week, and I'm paraphrasing Brian, but it was along the lines of either CM Punk is the greatest heat in the business or he's an unbearable pain in the butt. <laughs> or, um, and he may be both. Um, I don't think they've got buyer's remorse yet, but I could see it coming down the line if all of this is true. And as you said, he has a history of this. You know, he has a history of pretty much everywhere he's worked with, maybe the exception of Ring of Honor. He has caused a bit of a stir and, let it be known that he isn't happy even you know in his early days in tna i think he caused some problems there so there's a lot of that. i think their investment in him has certainly paid off so far i think for them to be able to bring cm punk back to wrestling was huge but where that goes from here i don't know and with the whole injury that he had and the the title situation with moxley and that bizarre match that they had I don't really know what the next steps are here and what CM Punk does next. Yeah, it,
1: it's been such a weird few months with Punk because he came back so hot. And um, I remember that first promo we talked about, it, Brian, uh when I think it was the first episode of Rampage, right, where uh, uh, Punk came out. One of the greatest wrestling promos I ever heard. I mean, I was blown away. And uh, he just came back on fire. It looked like he didn't miss a step. The promos were great. The matches were great. He looked great. Conditioning-wise, all built up to him winning the title, and then it was just sort of like downhill from from there, right? Two days later, he gets injured. They come up with this Kakamabi interim title. Um, He comes back. What was – and we still don't know what the main event of All Out is here, you know, less than a a week away, but but, um, uh, I I guess the talk is it's uh, Moxley and Punk again – they go and they do the match on television. It's a two-minute squash, um, you know. Yeah, and then they they promote backstage footage with CM Punk on on Rampage. It's seconds of content, and that's the on-air stuff. And then off-air again, all this stuff with Cabana and Page. Uh, it just seems like, and I don't want to overstate things, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> it seems like. Punk's been nothing but a headache for the last
2: few months. Well, I'm sure that is true, but I will say this one thing. And, and and the booking's been bizarre and puzzling, and it's been a disaster since this interim title deal and just him being suddenly injury prone. Well, not suddenly, but I mean, injury prone, everything. One thing I will say, though, is unlike a lot of people who jumped over there. His star power in the past year in that company has not dissipated. Honestly, no matter what. I mean, and I I, I wouldn't say that for um, to a degree that I wouldn't say about almost anyone else. Not even Danielson. Not to say that Danielson's not still a huge deal over there, but he's not as big of a deal as he was a year ago when he came when he first came in. He's just not. And with Punk, I say absolutely, he still is. But it's just weird and and this cabana thing. I, I have to be blunt and it and it's just like it feels like amateur hour stuff, like like indie stuff with these weird grudges that are being allowed to play out unchecked. Again, that would never happen in WWE. Like you've got, um, you know, who's the only person that got away with doing that in WWE, by the way? CM Punk, right? Mm. <laughs> with with his famous pipe bomb. But like if all this ruckus and fuss is over how the company is treating colt cabana who i'm sorry colt cabana but is a non-entity as far as the success or failure of aew that just smacks to me of like who's running the show here like like someone needs to sit these people down and go this is the way it's going to be you are not bringing this up you're not dealing with this you know if, if this kind of thing because it just seems like they're doing whatever they want we saw like the There's this weird kind of situation happening with the Bucks and Omega where, you know, talk of like the Bucks trying to bury FTR, which I think is, seems to be valid, not, not valid for doing it, but a valid concern Omega now kind of getting this weird response. When he came back, is he a heel? Is he a face? Does he know what he wants to be? And then I don't know if you guys heard this weird kind of, speech that he made after the show yeah. when he had his comeback, which just seemed to be like, where is this coming from? Again, it's just like a lack of control going on there.
1: Yeah. And there, there are so many other stories, right? There there was Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara over uh, the weekend. Yeah, Sammy gets uh, suspended. There's uh, Rosa and Britt Baker uh, and them kind of going uh, back and forth. It really feels like every other day, there's some kind of infighting in the locker room there that gets out. Right. And uh, yeah, like you touched on it, it feels like somebody should have this under control. And as much as we sometimes rag on WWE for for um, and certainly under Prince of Man's era for having such a, a firm hand on some of this stuff, clearly you need some of it. Right. I mean, and 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 we yes. could debate, you know, scripting and over scripting. Uh, but it does feel like this is what happens when you don't have enough control of your talent.
2: And when you allow the wrestlers to run the company, apparently. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Part of yeah. me thinks there's a certain inevitability to that, that this was going to happen at some point. And part of me wonders, did Cody know this was coming mm. or did he sensed this and exactly. that kind of hastened his, his exit from the promotion? But I think just as you say, you let the inmates run the asylum and there's not that one person there who can kind of corral everything and keep it together. It's going to be tough. Yeah,
2: yeah it's starting to look like and I'd love to finally hear him let loose on this one day, if he ever will, on some documentary or something. But it feels like it's very likely that Cody was very, you know, just kind of the odd man out in the sense that he just was more serious than the rest of them. You know, and I think part of that was even taking seriously the the EVP role that he had and then butting heads with Tony Khan over that and just seeing himself surrounded by people who were doing business in a way that I don't think he approved of. I mean, it's I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that it sure looks that way.
1: Yeah. All, all of this stuff started popping up um, after uh, Cody left. So you And I remember when that that story first surfaced, uh, surfaced about Cody leaving, it was like unthinkable. Why would you want to leave AEW to go back to WWE? And now it's like, oh, okay. It's starting to, <laughs> to, to, to come together. W- what can they do to turn things around, uh, both short-term and long-term? In the short term, we've got All Out this uh, Sunday. Last year – CM Punk's uh, uh first match in 7 years, Adam Cole debuted, Brian Danielson uh debuted. It was one of the the best pay-per-views wrestling pay-per-views ever. I mean it it was that good. All out was a uh, an amazing show. This year we don't even really know what the card is and I you know it, it it's hard to see what those um you know what those cards they have to play, you know, the, the what is the big name people talk about MJF, I don't think that that's going to mean nearly as much as some people think it's going to mean. I mean, MJF never left the company. He's just kind of been on ice for a few months. They already blew Kenny Omega, you know, coming uh, back a couple of weeks ago, and it it didn't seem to mean that much. So, you know, I'll ask you, Jason, what are you expecting from All Out? Um, Do do you think maybe they're bringing down expectations so they can... um, Exceed those expectations? Or is this maybe just not that great a pay-per-view?
3: It may not be that great of a pay-per-view. I'll speak for me personally. I'm not terribly excited for it at this point in time. Um, the fact that we don't know officially the the world title match, you know, this close to the event is a bit concerning. aw strength has always been what happens in the ring. Their in-ring product and the wrestling matches have always been mostly great, and their pay-per-views have always been to a very good standard. There is some alarming things happening that just remind me of late 90s, early 2000s, WCW, where we're just blowing through comebacks and matches just on a weekly basis. And that's a bit concerning. Though, There are some things happening behind the scenes, like the whole Ring of Honor thing, that we still don't know what's happening with that. And yes, they use some Ring of Honor wrestlers on their shows, but there's no real kind of long-term plan there. They also have hundreds of people under contract, literally, which WWE used to get criticized for a lot. AEW are now in the same position, and yet they're still bringing in a Mans Warner to TV for one go. They're bringing in the Motor City Machine Guns to the next pay-per-view, which is nothing against those people. They're all great talents, but there just seems to be a real lack of focus. So I think in order to make All Out go All Out, they need to really hone down and focus and worry about putting on good matches and kind of put to bed, all of the kind of stuff that's happening backstage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I was just watching some of the, uh, the lineups for uh, dark and I'm like, who are these people? It, it really feels like it's kind of all over the place uh, uh, right now. Uh, 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 Brian, do you think that there's a realization of some of this there and we'll see changes? I mean, one of the things that was announced recently, I guess was Tony Schiavone being moved into some kind of like talent, uh, a role which would suggest that they realize that there's something that needs to be addressed.
2: I think that's a good thing, and it's and it's good for Tony Khan because he's taking on too many things. I mean, the breaking point might have been him going, yeah, and I'm going to book and run Ring of Honor too. I mean, and everybody's going, what, how, you know? There needs to be some delegation uh, that might work. There were also, I don't know – you know, I don't know him. I've never met him. You know, I've been around Vince McMahon. I could comment on his management style and things. I've never been around Tony Khan. And, but I'm wondering if maybe, I don't know, maybe he needs to have more wrestling people, more in the business people to sort of be his eyes and ears and enforcers kind of a thing. I mean, even, you know, even Vince has had Bruce Pritchard and Johnny Ace and people that would like be his foot soldiers. Like, Tony needs people like that but I have to say uh, the you know not to harp on the negative but like these things just keep occurring to me that kind of fill me with a lot of foreboding about the future of this company one thing I think about is the fact that now with Triple H being in charge at WWE and fans and wrestlers seeing the changes and in a lot of cases it being the place that many of them originally wanted to be before their dreams got shattered by Vince McMahon, that I think when, and the fact that Triple H is clearly going to be more aggressive about pursuing people over there than Vince was maybe, I think you're going to see a lot of people going back when contracts start to come up. You know, we've been starting to see people going back who were just fired, right? Right now i think we're going to eventually and it's probably not going to happen for another year or so but you're going to start to see people who are now under contract to AEW waiting for their contracts to come up and then going back and 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 it's so i feel like it's only going to get worse there's going to be some crippling blows that are dealt i wouldn't even i would even go so far as to say even some of the homegrown people you may start to see go over there and it could get really bad i, I mean it feels like triple h is really going to Go for the jugular in that area and and i don't know if they can withstand that
1: yeah and that's another one of the stories that's been out there is um about wwe uh, i mean i i don't know if it, if uh it's technically contract tampering but certainly there are some concerns about that you know WWE officials reaching out to folks in uh aw and kind of feeling them out um at the end of the day it's going to be what AEW can afford right and and for a while there um, it looked like the, 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 money was coming in even more than, um, was expected. But as you touched on with ratings uh, going down, I imagine their payroll being through the roof with all this talent that they're uh, bringing in. Um, they, they still don't really hold house shows. So you don't have that revenue coming in. They've got the video game, uh, uh now that's going to be coming in. So, you know, does, does the revenue coming in, uh, exceed what's, what's going out and, um, this has been the story of failed uh, wrestling company after failed wrestling company, right. Is um, spending more than you take in. And uh, with, with the cons deep pockets, there was some thought, and and I'm not saying that this is happening anytime soon, but at the end of the day, more than disputes over creative direction or what have you, that's what to get down to. I mean, they've, they've got to run a business uh, a financially sound business so they've got to figure this out for the sake of staying in business, right? So um, I right. hope they do. Um, uh, Jason, let's talk a little bit about the other big show uh, this weekend, Clash of the Castle. They've been promoting this for, for many, many months. Uh, it's finally here this weekend. Um, a, a new pay-per-view uh, for, for WWE and the first return to uh, the UK in 30 years, the SummerSlam 92. You know, we have the perspective of, of fans here in the US and, and how they've been promoting it uh, is, does it feel like a, how, how big a deal does it feel over there in the uk
3: i think it is a big deal um it's not SummerSlam 92 big deal yet but it, that may come um WWE's television partner here bt sport have been doing a great job of really hyping this up so much so that their monthly the w monthly events are usually pay-per-view um, and you have to pay an additional fee to watch them They decided that they're going to air this for free on the BT channel, the main BT channel. So that's a huge deal that they're going to do that in prime time here. Um, There is a buzz about it and BT Sport have been putting together little video packages and stuff. They did a Drew McIntyre one, I think just last week. um, That was really, really good uh, if anyone wants to check it out. Um, So they are hyping it up. And McIntyre is a big part of that, obviously, being from Britain. So I I think it does have people excited for sure. Uh,
1: there's a lot of talk of, of Drew actually winning it, which to me would have seemed unthinkable. And I'm still not sure that that uh, both that that's the right thing to do and that they do it. But uh, there's also this thought of, well, you know, at some point you got to get that belt off of Roman. And um, it is absolutely uh, essential for, for as good a shape the WWE is right now. And they've been doing a lot of things right. One place where they're still uh very much behind is uh, in having real overstar baby faces, especially with with Cody on the sidelines, uh, and maybe Drew can help. You know, fill that that void. Uh, so, do you think he's winning the title this weekend? And would you push for it?
3: No, to both of those. Um, I don't think he's going to win. I th- yes, for the feel good moments on that Davy Boy Smith 1992 thing very possibly could happen. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, Bear in mind, Roman and Drew have already faced each other before and Roman beat him. So it's not a huge, huge thing. It's not a match that we haven't saw before. It's the biggest moment of Drew McIntyre's career. And for him to come back to this moment is a huge, huge deal. But I just think the right thing to do is just to keep it on Roman. Um, It'll disappoint some people, but... You know, Shawn Michaels beat the British Bulldog in 1997 at one night only in the UK as well. People got over that once. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, uh,
1: Jason, how over is Drew over in uh, the UK? You know, over here, and we've talked about it a lot from when he got his first big push a couple of years ago, uh, that he seemed to sort of plateau at a certain level that frankly is is below, I think, where WWE would want him to be. But sometimes... uh, these things you know are completely different in in different countries whether it it's over a japanese wrestler is in japan or a mexican wrestler is in in mexico um do, do you feel is there is there a groundswell of support in the uk for for drew to win the title
3: to some extent but no and that's quite sad and i, I wish that wasn't the case um i think plateau is a good word and i think as you know much as he's plateaued in in the states it's the same here he is nowhere near, you know, British Bulldog early '90s level of of swell swell support. He's not Bret Hart level of support. That Bret Bret Hart was over huge in the UK here. Drew's not even at that level, I don't think. You know, yes, there is support for him, and I think the WWE and BT Sport here are trying to do a really good job of of making him seem important. But it'll be interesting to see at Clash at the Castle, especially as well if the show was taking place in in Glasgow or Edinburgh or in Scotland somewhere. It might be a different story, but it's happening in Wales as well. He's not Welsh, so yeah. I'm not sure how much. Yes, there'll be fans there from all over the UK and all over Europe, but yeah, I just, I, I just don't see the the huge swell of support for him that there should be. Yeah.
2: What about if they have Tom Jones in his corner? You think that would help? Good <laughs> work. Yeah, that's.
3: Yeah. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I just think
2: with, but you mentioned the bulldog comparison. I think it's apt because I, I mean, my understanding is you know, 30 years ago, they could have totally gotten away with putting the WWF title on the Bulldog if they had wanted to, at least from a UK point of view. I mean, they would have been ready for something like that. But yeah, I don't know if if Drew is at that level. And it just would feel so weird to me after all they've done with Roman to just put it on Drew. Like, Like, this has to be building towards something. The only thing that would have been a giveaway to me, and to my knowledge, this is not the case, is if they had said at any point, it's only going to be for one of the two titles. Mm, Then I would have said, oh, yeah, definitely Drew is winning because that's the out. That's the way you split the belts back up and you still keep Roman Reigns on top. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So, I mean, I would be. Shocked if McIntyre wins. Maybe I'm gonna be shocked. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. I would be very shocked.
1: This is always the downside of these um, you know, really prolonged title reigns that I think often fans and, and writers, people like us, uh, want to see is that it becomes that much harder to, to make the move to get it off someone. And and um Roman and I give WWE all the credit in the world, and there was, and we've had these discussions, there was all kinds of concerns of like, well, can you really Get by with just one champion for both brands, and uh, even more so if he takes on this new work schedule where he's hardly uh, ever around. And what it served to do is make Roman feel like a much, much bigger deal, and the title feel like a much, much bigger deal. When Roman comes out now, it's a treat, it's like, Oh wow, we got Roman Reigns, this is a big, big deal, and I think that's great. And WWE's numbers for live attendance for TV, everything is, has gone up, uh, which is uh, a lot of it is is very counterintuitive, but um, because all of that, it does feel like you got to be super careful with that title and with, with Roman Reigns, um, especially, you know, if the, the, I don't know if the end game, but, but where we end up eventually um, come WrestleMania is, is the rock. Uh, and we've talked about this, the other kind of like, you know x factor there is well you don't really need a title for that match to be uh, a big deal maybe it's even a bigger deal without the title and then you could separately have a a world title match so there's a lot of stuff up in the air but um you know i don't know if it's an indictment on drew but it does feel like Meh, i don't I, I don't i don't see it i mean um but if not drew then who and then maybe really the answer is well if that guy doesn't exist then just you leave it on roman
2: you leave it on Roman as long as things are still going well, yeah. which they are. Like, I don't think you necessarily need to ha- know who the next one's going to be. As long as you keep him strong, you wait for someone else to emerge. There's it Cody, would, right? I mean, that's the one that stands be, out. Right. It would seem to be Cody, assuming he comes back and he's still as hot as ever, which I think he will be. Um, It would seem to be him. Because as far as The Rock goes, I know we've disagreed on this, but... I think when, if, and when that match happens that Roman needs to win that match. And so then you either have the situation of if that's, if it's for the title, then that means Roman continues on as champion, even, even after rock. And then, you know, if it's not for the title, well, then you could, you could have Roman win and not have to worry about him still being the champion, you know, because you don't want to put the title on the rock necessarily, let's say, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, What do you think I'll ask you
1: both uh, uh, of the job that they've done? You know, I talked about the the need for to elevate baby faces and they do seem to be doing some of that. And and one person who um, uh, I think it's working really well for is Kevin Owens, who not not quite an afterthought, but, um, you know, after WrestleMania, which was a high point for him working for with Steve Austin, he gets in that weird feud with Ezekiel and kind of, you know, well back into the the mid card picture. And then uh, it it certainly felt like kind of a, a Triple H uh, initiative once he started running things. Is it, it feels like we're going all in on Kevin Owens, and and as a babyface, and I think it's working. I mean, I I think uh, he he's got that that gravitas and has that kind of Steve Austin vibe. Uh, has gotten himself in really good shape. Um, and uh, you just watching the roll last night, the the crowd's responding to him, right, Jason?
3: Absolutely, I agree. I think Kevin Owens has the potential to be a monster baby face. He has that everyman quality that Steve Austin had, that Dusty Rhodes had. I think Kevin Owens can be a modern version of that. Um, I think the fans have kind of latched on and realized that this is a guy that no matter what he's given to do, he does it to the utmost that he can. And I think there's a certain amount of respect that has come along with that, that he's now being awarded by the fans. And I think people are very keen to get behind him.
1: Yeah, it, it's one of the many things that we've seen in, in kind of this new era, uh, uh, Brian. And again, it all seems to be working, right? The numbers uh, just objectively are, are really good. They're doing some of their best TV numbers in a long time, um, uh, live attendance, all that. W- what do you make of it? I mean, is this Triple H working as magic? Some people point to the fact that actually, you know, some of this uh, surge predated Triple H uh, and, and actually started around uh, WrestleMania, but... Uh, What do you think
2: WWE is doing right right now that is connecting with fans? Right. I think there's something to that post WrestleMania thing, because as you remember, we were talking about it. The company was having such a positive buzz spinning out of WrestleMania that there was a lot of like, you know, positive momentum. It was a really great WrestleMania, maybe one of the greatest ever. And then so like then after that, you have the next. Big thing, which is Triple H coming in and generating the curiosity. What's going to happen with the company now? How is it going to look different? Maybe lapsed fans giving it a peek. I think it's both of those things together kind of combining and gradually growing the audience. And the good sign, though, is that even though there's always little peaks and valleys and things, There doesn't seem to be this kind of dramatic drop off all of a sudden where everybody was like, yep, I tuned in and it still sucks. Click. And they stopped watching like that doesn't seem to be happening. Like I know it's not some people had this over exaggerated hope in their mind. They were going to turn on the TV and it was going to be a completely different company. I do think if you turn it on in a a couple of years down the road that it will seem like a completely different company. I do think that in, in some ways but those things take time and they're gradual and it's also not smart business to just flip a switch like that overnight you know and you also run the risk of losing the people you already have who for some inexplicable reason may have liked it the way it was so you you have to please everybody you know in some way but but it's a good sign like i know for the past i think it's something like 6 or 7 weeks smackdown has had the number one position in terms of that eighteen to forty-nine demographic and ratings on all of network TV for the night, and that's that's a big deal. And you look at you're looking at it six and seven weeks, right? Well, what's been happening the past six or seven weeks? Like that's that's big stuff going yeah. on for them.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that the the, the biggest change, um, which is maybe not that noticeable for all, for a lot of people, is the absence of the the maddeningly stupid stuff, right? And and right. It goes a long way. It's like the, the worst of the product um is gone, uh, and you know some of it is little things like now giving wrestlers their first names back, right? You know it's it's right. and, right. and, and uh, I I think you you take for granted because they're all little things, but they add up to um this this direction that was in place for so long that was so needless and um, added nothing and um took away a little bit right so it was was like death by a thousand cuts uh but but i you know and i brought it up here before but but you think back to wwe uh and what i think was was a modern low point which um you know granted it was in the middle of covid and and all that so so they get a little bit of a pass but when there were you know when when the fiend was drowning braun stone stroman in a lake and randy orton is setting the fiend on fire in the ring a lot of fiend stuff uh, related to this and um a match where you win by popping the other guy's eye out this this was all in in the course of like six months and we're that's well behind us and now you watch raw or smackdown and it might not you know uh, uh, blow your mind but it's just watchable it's just it's fine it's like decent wrestling pretty good promos it does feel less scripted and again it's not like an overnight change but um it you know Kevin Owens is a good example this does feel like this is Kevin Owens talking and not reciting uh lines did you see the little bit with uh Riddle and uh Rollins uh last night it was great 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 yeah yeah really good stuff
2: I think what they're doing from what I understand from like Stuffed because sometimes, you know, the the um, the run sheets and things for the shows will leak, you know, and you get to see like what the writers are doing and everything. It looks like what's happening is it's not so much that they're just saying the hell with scripted promos, say whatever you want. Here's your bullet points. Hit your bullet points. I don't think they're doing that. But what I think they are doing is they are writing, to your point, Al, more attuned to the personalities and characters of the wrestlers and what they might say. Rather than trying to force them to say these things that just sound dumb and not the way human beings talk. And, and they're giving them things that, yes, it's still a script, but it's just more believable coming out of their mouth and stuff that they're more comfortable saying, you know. And I think I think the, the Becky Lynch one's a great example of where when she turned face there, at, you know, after SummerSlam it was a wonderful promo. And everyone was saying, Oh, she's off script. This is just her speaking from the heart. It turned out it wasn't. I mean, it was a script. But she delivered it so well, so convincingly that it made everybody think it was just her talking, which is how it should be in the best case scenario. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think now that we're uh, a, a few weeks, few months since uh, McMahon's uh, departure, and still early on. But uh, Jason, do you agree that that it's been a net positive? You know, and the changes that we've seen have been for the better. Absolutely. I tweeted
3: this a few weeks ago. I said, as someone who has continued to sit through Raw over the past few years and watch the entire show, Raw is much more watchable now. And as you said, it's not because of anything huge that was changed. It was just the removal of all the little things and a little bit looser with the booking and the writing. I think where WWE is at now is almost in that sweet spot between the heavily scripted way that they were And the, you know, devil maker attitude that AEW seems to have to everything, just let everyone say what they want or do what they want. And I think it's really going to serve WWE well. What I'm concerned about for AEW as well, just to bring them back up again, is that I think they are in real danger of losing their cool status, which is Mm what has been going for the past few years. Triple H has built up a real kind of bank of coolness amongst the talent and amongst fans through NXT. That I think he can bring to the main roster now. And I think that's really going to hurt AEW going forward.
2: Well, if I had- just oh sorry, yeah. No, okay, no, again, again. Right. I was gonna just offer something, and this is totally anecdotal, because I have been on the road the past couple of weekends. I was at Hall of Fame last weekend and the weekend before that, I was at this major autograph signing event in New Jersey called WrestleBash, where they had like a huge amount of, of of people in the business, even currently, not just older stars. And there were a lot of young, there was a lot of young talent at both of these shows. At Some of them, even AEW people, not WWE, because they're not allowed to do anything. But, you know, but there was talk. I would overhear uh, several times conversations, especially between young talent or indie talent, just talking about the fact of like, hey, WWE is kind of the place to go now. Because Triple H is is now in charge, like I heard those conversations being had. And if I even overheard a couple and I'm sorry to the wrestlers who weren't discreet enough in my presence, but if I then imagine what else is going on out there, you know what I mean? Like these conversations are being had right now for sure. And yeah and they're probably being had in the AEW locker room in secret quiet places you know
1: yeah and and as jason touched on i mean for a while there the the hip product was NXT right and then when AEW came on the scene that's why it became AEW versus NXT but when's the last time WWE proper you know raw and smackdown were hip you know and and were the the brand to watch um they've always had the biggest audience but but there's a difference right and and now uh, it does feel like they're checking a lot of boxes. You know, the work rates there, the angles are there, the stars are there, and especially as they are uh, bringing back. Uh, and, and this might be one of the more more kind of obvious um, uh, changes with Triple H is, and and it does feel like kind of the most direct sort of rebuttal of Vince McMahon's style is bringing back all these people that Vince McMahon got rid of. You know, and 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 it's the clearest way to say. I disagree with your approach. You thought this person was expendable and you were wrong. And so we're bringing them back, whether it's Hit Row um, or Dexter Loomis or uh, Johnny Gargano, who, I mean, it wasn't, they didn't get rid of, but but left on his own. And when Gargano was on the main roster last time, he was complete afterthought. He's brought back like a big star. Uh, and And now we're moving into, and, and this is a little more iffy, you know, discussions of Bray Wyatt, and Braun Strowman, um, who do feel more like Vince McMahon's WWE in some way than Triple H's, but also were stars, right? They were big stars. Uh, what do you think of uh, uh, either or both of those guys
3: coming back, Jason? Oh, it's it's a double-edged sword because I think they are big stars. And I think Bray Wyatt coming to any wrestling show is a talking point and um, will get people tuning in and watching Um it is all in how they present him, and yeah, what they, I never want to see another match again where the lights are turned on. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> um, nor do I want to see anyone drowned in a leak again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm perfectly okay with both guys coming back because I think they both are talented and have things to offer, but it is literally just how they are presented is the big question.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that, Brian Brian, do you agree that that there is um some value there? uh but you got to kind of rein it in a little bit.
2: Yes. And 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 having to do with that, can't forget that in spite of everything that was done with Bray Wyatt, he also was a Triple H guy. He was yeah. a guy that came up in NXT, you know, different personas and everything and they developed it and him I think even going back to Dusty Rhodes when he was there running it with Triple H. You know, so like he is a triple H project. Braun Strowman, not so much because my understanding is he did go straight to the main roster, which caused everybody to instantly hate him. But but still, um, those two have a lot of value. And in the case of Strowman, I think the big value is just in like the arrival, just the holy S moment of wow, and it feels like anything can happen on this show. I don't think he has as much of a long-term upside as having Bray Wyatt back. I think the Braun Strowman thing is more like it's a big, huge impact. He arrives, they do some things with him, and then maybe he sort of rides off into the sunset. But with with Bray Wyatt, they could do a lot more. But it is going to have to be a, a lot of retooling. Do not bring him back as the fiend. I mean, the best thing to do would be to bring him back as something closer to e- not either the Bray Wyatt original character or more like himself kind of commenting on the things that were going on with the fiend and everything almost like a clean break yeah getting away from it that might be the way to go from him like I, even even having him say i don't want to be the fiend anymore this isn't who i was you know i'm going to show you who i was that kind of thing that might be something worthwhile i wouldn't say that if the fiend thing wasn't so completely played out I just don't think there's any more to be milked from that. There's no value in having him go back to that. Now watch them bring him back and he's the fiend, you know, but, but maybe, you know,
1: maybe there's a middle ground sort of like with uh, Finn Balor and the demon does, can he, you know, on occasion, bring out the fiend character. Right. And, and a little bit of a dialed down version of, of the fiend character. I got to say, I wasn't a huge character, uh, a fan of, of the Bray Wyatt character before the fiend, uh, because that, that got to be too much, you know, the the guy is super creative, but a little Bray Wyatt goes a long way. Um, and, and it did for a number of years, uh, but he's super talented. Is there a possibility of you bringing both back together and, uh, maybe as a unit, they've got their history. And, um, I, I gotta say, uh, uh, Braun Strowman, and, and we might forget, but he came, uh, a long way. And, and, um for for a guy that size had a lot to offer um I've seen good braun strowman matches, you know um and he he's certainly i don't know if it's as as a baby face or a heel I think he got over uh, as both, but I do think that there there is something uh there, so yeah, and again, it's like. To some extent, it's sort of like beggars can't be choosers, and there, there just isn't a wealth of, of um, big-name free agents uh, out there right now, so you want to make that splash, you, you want to you know, kind of going back to the old WWE Nitro days and what AW has been good at for the last couple of years, that sense of every week somebody could show up, these are the kind of guys that you can turn to. And and another thing that I think WWE has done a nice job of the last couple of weeks is doing some of that with the legends, whether it was, you know, Trish Stratus in Toronto, um, Kurt Angle in Pittsburgh last night. I think that's awesome. And, and I, I hope they do more of that
2: also. Yeah, and they're not being humiliated either. No, right, yeah. Like we're actually allowed to have, uh, a feel good moments right <laughs> yeah yeah it's made for
1: uh, some good TV moments okay guys we're about an hour uh, here uh, and I got to run so uh, let's wrap it up uh, thank you so much uh, Jason anything uh, uh, you want to pr- promote your 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 social media stuff obviously the, uh, the PWI weekly newsletter
3: yeah absolutely and you can find me on Twitter at jbladeko and uh, yeah check out the PWI weekly newsletter there's lots of great fun content in there every week so check it out on the website
1: Yes. And and Brian, uh, the book, of course, and uh, your many other endeavors.
2: Yep. Uh, the book is Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real life story of wrestling's original chic and still available in digital form, print form and uh, audio form as well. There's, I might be going out to Detroit finally to do some kind of promotion for the oh, book awesome. out there. Um, and you know, there's my podcast, shut up and wrestle, which is kind of like the old school wrestling podcast that I do. Um, there's also a new project starting up with Arcadian Vanguard that I'm a part of called the wrestling news. I don't want to say too much about it cause we haven't launched it yet, but it's going to be like a strictly news based, almost like wrestling's answer to like the morning NPR update kind of a thing. So I'm kind of, I'm doing some work for them too. So tons going on.
1: Yes. Where do you find the time? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll do it again uh, soon. Uh, right now. Let's hear from uh, a star of AEW wrestling uh, from the hot seat interview in the November, 2022 issue of pro wrestling illustrated. Uh, it's Eddie Kingston.
0: Hey, what's up, Al? What's up? How are you, Eddie? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just chilling. Hanging
1: out, you know the deal. Yes, thanks for agreeing to do this.
0: No, of course, man.
1: Excellent. So uh, let's jump into it. Uh, um, you know, one of the reasons I was interested in, in um, talking to you is because uh, we grew up around the same area. I grew up in the, in the Bronx, and, you know, Yonkers was like uh, the getaway. That's where we go to buy our toys at, at the, uh, the <laughs> Toys R Us over there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Central.
1: Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. I I got to take my kids to it before it closed a couple of times. And it it brought back memories going up that little hill to the parking lot and all that.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. That big ass (laughs) hill that you had to drive up when it would uh, snow and it would get icy. That would be a bitch (laughs) to get up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how about, you know, people talk about, I think this is going to be something that we'll talk about a lot here, you know, how how authentic you are. How much of that is growing up where you grew up and, and how do you think it sort of influenced um, uh, the the person you are and then also kind of the personality that people see?
0: Wow. Uh, that's a loaded question. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, growing up in New York, New York is a character itself you know what I mean, like, and it and it shapes you, and growing up around, you know, being Irish and Puerto Rican, and growing up around a, a bunch of Irish men, you know, who lived that New York style, who knew how to shuck and jive, and knew how to talk to people, and, when, and were hard union workers, I just saw that my whole life, I saw people with the same attitude I have now, and like, I remember growing up and it was always, you know, always be honest, always be yourself, you know, try to do things the right way. You know what I mean? I didn't, you know, yeah. most New Yorkers, including my family, it, it, we like to go to the DLA first if real. Oh, you're
1: breaking up, I know that's my end or yours.
0: Because, you know, my phone sucks. It's still oh. on Android. Can okay. you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Yes, stay put. Yeah, Uh,
1: but absolutely, you know, one thing that that for me, I think, is sort of like always been the case, and I'm interested in in your perspective, you know, you're in a a line of work where there's so much uh, conning going on and, and people looking to take advantage of people, and I've always thought being a New Yorker uh, makes you a little more cynical. You kind of have your guard up a little bit more. You you know when you're being uh, uh, taken advantage of. Is, is that something you think you've carried with you and has helped you in your career?
0: It's definitely it's definitely helped and hurt in my career. Uh, to be totally honest with you, if I don't know you, I don't like you off the bat.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if that's a New Yorker thing or whatever. I just if I don't know you right away, I'm not giving you anything. Like, you're going to have to earn me liking you. And uh, it, it's helped out a lot because it helped me, you know, get past the bullshit of people in wrestling, but also hurt me in the other way is there's a lot of good people that I didn't give a chance to.
1: Has has it held you back? I mean, do, do you wonder, here you are 20 years into your career, and, and now you're sort of like a, 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 the national name known in the big, you're on TV in the big promotion. Do, do you wonder whether that attitude limited you along the way, whether it it took an extra 10, 15 years to get to this point?
0: Uh, to be honest with you, I don't even think about it because I'm right where I was built to be. You know what I mean? Uh, like everything happened for a reason. And I was supposed to get on TV. Now it was supposed to take me 20, uh, 18 years to get to this point. Yeah. Uh, So I don't I don't regret anything. I don't even really think about it. I just did what I thought was right. And a lot of times it wasn't right. You know what I mean? Now that I look back at it now, I go, oh, man, that was not right. But I'm here. I'm still here. And uh, a lot of people who I consider my friends, which is a very small group, you know, their opinion matters to me because they're in my life. And I don't consider them friends. I consider them family. And they used to always say, Man, Eddie, we knew you could do it as long as you stopped getting in your way. The minute you stopped getting in your way, you 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 would do it. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs> what What are some examples of that? Of of what you've got in your own way, or, or at least people thought that you got in your own way?
0: Ah, uh, it, it seemed like looking back at it now, it seemed like once I started getting on a roll, I would something would happen. Mm-hmm. I I would either go to a bar, get a little bit too drunk, and be in the drunk tank in the tombs. Mm-hmm. before and i would miss a flight or i would go out and get into a fight or i would go to just being a bad miserable because i used to be a real miserable prick to be honest with you and i would just go in and be miserable and promoters don't want to work with a miserable person doesn't matter how good the match was or how how much i true or what, whatever words you want to put whatever wrestling terms people want to put out there that's fine but they don't want to be with somebody who's miserable and is going to give them a headache. And that's what I was for many, many years.
1: So so did you, um, like, consciously look to change that? I mean, when, when you got the break in AEW and here is a big opportunity in front of millions of fans uh, on TV, did you change something about yourself?
0: I grew up. That's, that's the bottom line. I grew up. I sat there. Uh, so right before the pandemic hit, I was in uh, United Kingdom in the UK for a three-month tour. And when the pandemic hit, everything shut down. And then I get a phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning in the UK like, hey, you need to come home now. They're shutting everything down, even in the UK. Mm -hmm. So I had to spend $1,800 to get home. And then when I got to Montreal, because it was connecting, when I got to Montreal, they said I wasn't allowed back. To, I live in Orlando now. I couldn't go to Orlando, so I had to go to Miami the next day. And I had to take an Uber from Miami to Orlando. And then I'm sitting in my house selling my wrestling gear because there's no indie shows going on. And I'm selling my wrestling gear to pay the mortgage on my house. And I just sat there like, enough's enough. And I had a close friend staying with me, and he was just telling me, that's it, focus. And he helped me focus on what I wanted. And at the time, it was I was working for the NWA, and I wanted to be the NWA world champion. So I just focused and just ignored all the outside stuff. And then it turned out uh, I was able to to, uh, say some stuff and challenge Cody. And I didn't think for the TNT title when he had the open challenge. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it was going to happen. Because if you notice, I mentioned Nick Aldis last because he was the NWA champion at the time but then i got the phone call and i was like okay stay focused and that's what i do now like i stay focused i try not to let outside stuff ruin my energy you know what i mean i may sound like a hit people let me tell you something there's days man where old daddy wants to creep back up and i gotta <laughs> walk outside the arena and take a long long walk mm-hmm. you know what i mean because like you know i have my own code on how people should act in 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 the back And I have my own code on what it is to be a good human being or a bad human. I have my own code, but I have to always remember not everyone has the same code that I do. And I can't force my my beliefs on anybody or or whatever. And I got to walk away. Now, back in the day, I used to yell and scream and get in people's faces when I felt they weren't doing right. And people would be like, Eddie, you were right. But the way you came at it was so rough that no one's hearing your words. They're just hearing your value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's it's like kind of a tough balance to strike because as you're 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 touching on you know to to make it in the big leagues to big time, you know, you you got to like sort of uh, uh straighten up and fly right to some extent, but also yeah. you don't want to sacrifice too much of of again that authenticity which is what brought you here, right? And is and it's what people have connected with. So it's sort of finding a balance, right?
0: No, it definitely is finding a balance, and trust me, finding a balance is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> look, I can tell you right now, yesterday I was pissed off about something, and you know what I mean, that I had to calm myself down. It's just, it's an everyday struggle. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's not like, I can tell you now, look at me, I'm matured finally, and you know, everything's great and dandy. No, there's there's still days, you know what I mean? There's still moments, but instead of holding on to things now I'm able to sort of let go sort of sort
4: of
0: <laughs> sort of let go it still takes me a while to let go of stuff with punk I don't think I'm ever gonna let go stuff with Claudio I'm trying to let go <laughs> and uh, stuff with Brian I'm trying to let go so yeah it's just there's a lot of history so trying to be a better person every day man I'm not a finished product yet I tell everybody that my final form of it, or whatever they want to say it, or well, my final product is when I'm in the
1: grave. Yeah. D- those three names that you just mentioned, you know, there have been stories out there about, you know, your problems with them. W- what they have in common, I would think, is you kind of came up with all those three guys, right, you know, uh, uh, through the independent scene. Th- they yeah, all. It like a
0: year. I was like uh, two years behind Punk and Brian, and uh, same year it was, it was me and Claudio.
1: Right, and, and they all obviously got to uh, the big leagues, big uh national international prom- promotions before you did did that create some resentment on on your part is is that some of the issues that you have with them
0: no not at all i don't i don't hate on anybody who makes it and makes money that that doesn't bother me it's, it's who they are as people mm-hmm. that bothers me i don't care if anybody i don't care if people do better than me with money and then all that stuff like that i will never hate on that you know what I mean because this is a business and we all gotta try to make a living but what I will not like what I will not stand for is is just bad people who act like you know who are judgmental like Brian punk who I think is is a liar because he's lying to everybody showing that he's a nice guy and then Claudio too who wants to go around and so everybody he's this nice, lovable guy. when I know for a fact I've seen things in the past that he's not a good person, so he's lying to people i just won't I just won't stand for it. I don't need anyone else to believe me, but I know what's real
1: yeah it it's so fascinating, you know having real problems with other people in a line of work where your job is to uh fight them yet also kind of protect them. Right. And, and, are we, yeah. Are we
0: supposed
1: to protect them? No one, <laughs> yeah, let me, no uh, me you, you can put this
0: in the article. No one gave me that memo.
1: <laughs> let me smarten you up. To yeah. them. <laughs> but, but when, when you're in the ring, and, and I know in some cases you've been, you have to work alongside these guys as your partners, and, and other cases like with Punk, you are across from them. Um, you know, once the bell rings, or is it just part of the job that you got to put all that aside and, and be a pro? Or as you're touching on right now, does it actually, help things if if there is some 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 real hard feelings there
0: oh it helps things yeah it really does help things like you know and uh i'll stay professional as long as they're professional and i'm waiting for the day they're not <laughs> you know what i mean so i can show tony Khan and everybody else why certain places didn't want to hire me because of you know i would do things and say things but <laughs> you know see that's the old me Missing some of those those days, you know what I mean? I know it's not right, but there's still a piece of me that loves that. No, I think it helps because once that i I tell a lot of young guys this once I'm at the gorilla position to go out and I hear my music hit, the first you know what I mean, the first beat of my music, Eddie Moore's dead.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: it's all Eddie Kingston now Eddie Moore's dead this is Eddie Kingston, and I'm fighting for my life.
1: Is there a big difference between the two?
0: Yeah, there is a big difference. Huge difference. There's a huge difference. One is, you know, one is me turned... One, Eddie Kingston's a part of me, and I say it's the 17, 18-year-old part of me, even the 20-year-old part of me, turned up a thousand notches. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Eddie Moore's the real me. So, you know, Eddie, Eddie Moore's the guy that likes to be home, likes to work out in his gym that he is fortunate enough to afford in his little garage. I like stand, sitting on my porch. I like playing video games. I like watching wrestling. I like watching sports. That's Eddie Moore. I like to be left alone. Eddie Kingston's the other side. Yeah. The violent side, the side that's turned up a thousand notches.
1: Yeah. You uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Tony Khan. Um, what? W- What's it like working for him? Do, do, do you like him? Do you think he likes you? Is it? Do you feel sometimes you gotta like walk that line? Um, because on one hand, I imagine you're you're a few years older than him, more uh, uh, seasoned in this business than him, but he's your boss, right? And and he's running the whole thing. So w- what's that relationship like for you?
0: Uh, I tell it again another saying of mine. I actually got this from a friend of mine too. Is I, I say it's not my show. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? And, and the bottom line is, it's, it's, it's Tony's show. It's Tony's money. And whatever he wants goes. Uh, I do enjoy working for him because he does let me speak my mind. And uh, I now realize after maturing, maybe there's that word maturing, that, you know, he doesn't have to go with what I said. But the fact that he respects me enough to hear me out is enough. So if something gets changed to what I like, awesome. If it doesn't, cool. Not my show, but thank you for letting me speak my piece.
4: Yeah,
0: and yeah. that's what he does. I, I, I look if he does that for me, and I know I'm not the easiest person to get along with. I know he does that for the rest of the locker room. You know what I mean? That he's yeah. very accessible. Is that the right word? I guess I don't know. I'm trying to sound smart, <laughs> you know. In other words, everyone can talk to him. You know what I mean? He, there's no closed-door policy. Sometimes they're good, sometimes that's bad, but he'll listen to everybody.
1: Did Did you have to earn that uh, with him, um, or or did you come in uh, and have Car Blanche right away?
0: I oh, know you have to earn that with him. Yeah. You definitely have to earn that with him. Uh, I also got very lucky, because if you look at that roster before I came in, I worked with all these guys out on the independents. And a lot of these guys trained with me at Chikara, my school that I went to. Mm -hmm. So I've known a lot of these guys for 15 years plus. And I've traveled with a lot of them on the road. Uh, I like to say i suffered with a lot of them. From not getting paid to shitty hotels to getting paid shitty money. (laughs) I've been with them. I've been with, the like, Bryce Remsburg. I traveled up and down the roads with him. And... You know, I was there when his car broke down, you know what I mean, when we were driving from Indiana, you know, I mean? all this stuff, a lot of stories. Yeah. So I felt like I walked in, I was not comfortable, but I walked in and I went, okay, I know everybody, basically, you know what I mean? So I felt pretty good, but Tony does make you earn it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was it, you know, w- weird for you Uh, uh, because you, you had work on a certain level in the independent um, for for so long, almost 20 years uh, in you know, had you given up hope on, of, of making it to the, the big, big leagues? Was was that ever the goal, always the goal?
0: Uh, the original goal was uh, when I first broke in, ECW just closed. But when I was younger, ECW was the goal. Yeah. And then when I was younger, all Japan was the goal. And you know what I mean? And then just Japan in general is became the goal. I never... Yeah, of course, everybody, as I got older, of course, I wanted to be, I guess, as you say, in quotations, the big leagues in America, as I got older, but the original idea was Japan, all the the way, and uh, when I first got there, like, I treated everything, the match with Cody, I treated it as just another booking, Mm -hmm. I didn't treat it as a as like an opportunity to get a job or try out or anything like that. I looked at it as I need to pay my mortgage this month. I'm kind of tight. This is how much I need and I want. And that was it. To me, it was a payday. And when I'm in the ring, it doesn't matter if there's 20,000 or 20 people or two people, I'm going in the ring to fight. I'm going into the ring to wrestle. I'm going into the ring to win. It's- is that a good way to
1: be maybe because the the other way of doing it is to be completely psyched out by the moment and, uh, you know, to use a term I don't like to use a lot to, to be a mark. Right. And and you, you get to sit there and and you're just sort of like super impressed and blown away. Oh, my God, look where I am. Um, you know, do, do you think there's something to be said for for dealing with it the way you did, which sounds like it's just being a pro, right?
0: Yeah, that's the way. That's the way I looked at it. And also, the word "mark." Let me tell you something. That word has is, is been bastardized. It is what it is. But let's be honest. I'm one of the biggest marks there is in the business <laughs> because I decided to do this for a living.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? So if that you know that word is whatever. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea, and I think it's like you said, it's just being appropriate. But it's also all the years of being in wrestling when I got that shot. I yeah. was already 17 years in, just came home from a European tour. Uh, I'm broke as a joke. I just wanted to be able to keep my house and eat the next day. But I, I, That's all I, I was thinking about.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of wrestlers from, from your generation and maybe a younger generation who are so kind of, because they're such fans, and they're so kind of enamored by the whole thing. I, I, you know, without naming names, I've seen like wrestlers who get to WWE and they're interviewed and they talk about like, well, I would have done this for free because this is my, my dream no, come true.
0: Never. <laughs> never. Yeah. Never. Uh, you can ask Brody King this, man. I, I told him he asked me for advice. Wow. About five years ago, I think. And wow. But uh, we, were, we were hanging out after a show in Chicago. And he was going through what he was going through. And I told him the truth. I go, listen, man, we're all marks, but don't be a mark for the for the letters, be marked for the dollar signs. Mm. And I learned that at a very young age in wrestling, when you're able to make money in this business, make the money. Yeah, yeah. Because paying your dues in the beginning, you ain't making nothing.
1: Right, right. Uh, g- growing up in, in, in New York, Northeast, WWF country. Um, when, when you were younger, was that ever, uh, the goal or did you ever, did you always sort of think of like, this is just not a good fit for me?
0: Uh, so the funny thing is like, I, when I was growing up, the only way to keep me calm was to sit me in front of the TV watching wrestling. Nothing else got me. You know how kids today watch whatever they watch, these blue clues or whatever it is. (laughs) My, my cousin, my, my cousin, my brother has a kid. He loves to pop pound pup whatever paw puppy thing whatever yeah they'll sit there and watch that all day that wasn't me
4: Mm
0: -hmm. i needed pro wrestling on and the first pro wrestling i remember was wrestlemania Mm 3 and i remember hogan and andre and i remember steamboat and, and savage of course you know what i mean
4: yeah
0: i remember harley racing junkyard dog believe it or not you know what i mean but because my mother knew that was the only way to shut me up She would buy any type of tape at the Video Visions, not even a blockbuster VHS tape, from anywhere, and she would put it in, and I would get N.W.A., I would get Memphis stuff, and and one of the guys that I fell in love with right away because he was five ten, and you know I mean he was he he was just a real you know evil guy was Eddie Gilbert, Mm -hmm. and I and I saw the uh, you know Tupelo, concession stand brawl, and I was just. That's it. I was stuck. So WWF wasn't just the only place for me when I was already at a young age being able to see everything. And uh, I fell out of wrestling. I remember after Brett lost to Sean at WrestleMania 12, I fell out of wrestling. I was like, okay, I'm over it. I'm done. And then I found ECW. And because of ECW, I found uh, Kobashi versus Kawada, where they went an hour in Osaka, I think in 95. And that was it. Yeah. Once I saw that match, that was it. That really spoke I was to like, that's yeah. yeah, that's the style I wanna do. That's the wrestler I wanna be. That's where I wanna go. So WWE F, whatever you wanna call it, yeah, it's it's always there, it was always there. I always watched it, you know what I mean, growing up. But it was never especially after I saw Kawada versus Kobashi, that was that was, you know, that was the only place I wanted to go.
1: It, it, it's so interesting because I think a lot of people um, who dream about being a wrestler would see that kind of wrestling and go running for the hills, right? Because that that that's like the real danger. I see that and I think, oh my God, that would really hurt. That would be really painful uh, and, and scary well, and dangerous. It
0: doesn't matter what style you do, right. um, I'm letting everyone know it all hurts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have to get up every day and stretch my neck and and stretch a bunch of things before I can even have a cup of coffee in the morning. But what was so, it? Trust me, everything hurts.
1: I'm sure. But what was it about, you know, the ECW style, the all Japan style, the, the real physical stuff that spoke to you?
0: Well, that, it, it all started with the Memphis stuff. Because mm-hmm. Memphis and, and the NWA just felt real in the eighties. You know what I mean? Like there was no way, like I would sit there and argue with my dad and go, no 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 no. This is real. WWF and Hulk Hogan and all that, you can say whatever you want. But when I'm seeing guys brawling in a concession stand, beating the crap out of each other, that's real. You know, and Lawler throwing a fireball, that's real. And that's what got me was that it was the realism of it. And then when ECW came around, I was 14 years old, man. What does every 14-year-old boy want to see? Violence and women. Yeah. And that's what ECW had. So, of course, I was stuck on that. Also, you know, I got to give credit to Tommy Dreamer because he was from Yonkers. Mm-hmm. So once I heard he was from Yonkers, I, I was like, oh, hometown boy. You know what I mean? I also grew up with a lot of guys who acted like the ECW, the ECW characters in quotations. I grew up with a lot of those guys. There was a raven in the neighborhood all depressed and out of it. There was a new Jack in the neighborhood who was angry and violent. You know what I mean? Right. I had those kind of people in the neighborhood. Uh, So, of course, I related to that. And then, like I said, when I found that, you know, match with Kawada and Kobashi in 95, the hour, just the physicality of it is what caught me. Yeah. And that's when I said, oh, that's what I like. That's what I want to do. And then from then on, it was like I watched Dan Hansen. Then I watched Bruiser Brody. Then, you know, I was already in love with Terry Funk from when I was a kid. You know, there was a Memphis tape that my mother bought where it was like Funk and Lola, like three of their matches on it. And I fell in love with Funk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously, like, you could see that part, uh, that influence on your, your wrestling style, the physicality the violence, but, but I think more than that, what you see is, um, that, uh, emotion, the storytelling, right? I mean, like, and and that's very much Terry Funk cutting a promo where, um, you know, it's unusual that maybe you end up tearing up and, and crying because there's so much, uh, uh emotion in there. Is, is, was that always there. Is that something that evolved and, and how difficult is it to like, sort of be that honest and raw and put yourself out there that way?
0: Oh, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks because you're so you're so exposed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even as, you know, in quotations again, the character Eddie Kingston is so exposed. And when I'm in that zone again, like I said, Eddie Moore's dead and gone when the music hits. And it's all Eddie Kingston. Same thing when the red light comes on. You know, for like what you guys say, a promo. I call it a therapy session because there's a lot of deep, deep, deep stuff that Eddie Moore's coming out. But I feel kind of protected because it's it's under the name of Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? But I still feel exposed. It's a weird, weird, weird feeling. And uh, being be oh good.
1: I I say, do do you find that sometimes you're you're more honest in a, a promo as Eddie Kingston than than you are just in conversations in real life?
0: No, I'm the same either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? are uh, you know what? I, I, I it's not a lie, but they're all sometimes, especially when I speak about mental health. <laughs> there's sometimes where I'm like, oh man, if I if you know if this wasn't a wrestling setting, I probably wouldn't be saying this.
4: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Because are but like, as Eddie Kingston, there's no fear, but there's there's also still a little bit feel there like I, I, it's a weird feeling because I do feel exposed and naked sometimes out there
1: sure yeah
0: yeah but uh, like I said people say promos I don't say promos I say it's my therapy session
1: <laughs> and, and so you- when, Eddie,
0: when Eddie Kingston goes away and Eddie Moore is back I can breathe but uh, no I don't practice promos I don't think about them I ask them what would they like me to say or what are the bullet points that I need to get across and then I just go and do it Sometimes it, I may hear a song right before I get to the arena and I'm like, oh, man, that lyric was good. And I'll build off that lyric or have that lyric in my mind as I'm walking to the ring or when the red light comes on.
1: Yeah. And and, and people talk about you as, you know, one of the, if not the best uh, promo in, in, in wrestling. I know you won the, the Observer Award for that a couple of years ago. Yeah, but I'm not.
0: Let's be honest. I'm not. Who's better I'm than I'm not, man, some, some people say I'm being too humble, but uh, I'm definitely definitely not the best out there. I, I got to give Moxie, man. Yeah. Every time Moxie talks, I'm like, oh, God, I hate you. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I'm like, oh, God, I hate you because you're like Mr. John Wayne, cool hand Luke a little bit of Mad Max in there. You know what
1: I mean? But there's a lot I'm of similarities concerned. there, right? I mean, like, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you guys kind of came up through the same circles and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of parallels. So so are, are both of you kind of on that same wavelength? What are you guys doing that everybody else isn't?
0: I think... Well, I can only speak for me. John's just on a... John's a different type of animal. You know what I mean? Uh... I look at him and I get envious, but, uh, I can't speak for him, but for me, what I do is I just try to speak for, from my heart and, mm. you know what I mean? And, and put it into a wrestling manner.
4: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Uh, we have so many good people that, that can talk like, you know, and maybe I'm not supposed to mention his name, but you know, the little kid that's mad about his money <laughs> he still lives at home. What's his name? Uh, MJ. <laughs> yeah you know what i mean punks are good i don't have to like people but i will give the devil their due yeah cm punk man can probably talk you know i mean he could probably talk you know like he could probably sell ice to the devil you know what i mean (laughs) like he's that good of a a talker yeah and then you also have guys in wwe too who are good you know what i mean so like you know, I I'm very humbled and then that people think that, but there's always room to grow and to do better. That's my major thing. Sometimes people say I'm too humble, but I don't believe that.
1: Could could you ever do um the, the WWE style where, where it is written out for you word for word, um, you know, basically memorizing a script or or do you think that's just wrong?
0: If I had to, I would. If my job depended on it, I would. Mm-hmm. But would it be rough? Oh yeah. It would definitely be rough. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't like memorizing things. You know, this is why I'm not an actor. And, and I you know, imagine I you wouldn't. I, I can't read lines and you know remember them and then be like, "Hey, act like this when you say that line." And I'll look at the line and be like, "Ugh." Right. Really? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Or I don't. I don't know. I just can't. I'm not an actor. I can't do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Could could you connect to words that that aren't yours? You know, the way you connect <sighs> to yeah. I...
0: Yeah, in a certain way, New Yorkers, you know, this New Yorkers speak. You know what I mean? There's certain words New Yorkers would never use. So oh, yeah. when I'm reading something or whatever, i like, I would never say that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know what I mean? At Impact, I'm going to bury Sanjay Dutt a little bit. I love him. I love him, but I'm going to bury him. At Impact, when I was there, he would write stuff for me and Homicide and Hernandez. And we would all look at it and be like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> or we would, all, we would all look at it and be like, what episode of The Wire have you watched this week? <laughs> to make you think I'm going to say that. One time he put, yeah, you guys, something about Queens. And, you know, being a New Yorker, I'm from Yarkins, Homicide's from Brooklyn. We looked at him like, yeah, what are you trying to say? We're not from Queens. We got, like, really offended and people didn't understand why, but we did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to him, it's all interchangeable.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, not to us. We were like,
1: wait a minute, what? <laughs> That's Mets territory.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, you 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 said there are good promos in WWE. Anybody come to mind? Paul Heyman, another New Yorker, is is talked about as one of one of the greats. But um, um, among wrestlers, I mean, do, do you like what Roman Reigns does on
0: the mic? Yeah. Yeah. I love what Roman uh, the the high key, whatever the gimmick name yeah. is, you know, head of the tape bagel. Head of the table, I think. is it's, uh, Yeah, of course. That's why he's the top guy. That's why he's the guy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There's a reason for it. If he could not speak or capture you emotionally, he would not be up there. Of course, I love all the dudes in the New Day. They're entertaining. They can all talk. You know what I mean? Kevin Owens, he's a talker. He can go. You know what I mean? There's so many good people out there. Sami Zayn's another one. You know what I mean? I could go to the whole roster and tell you, a lot of them are great talkers, and, and they can go.
1: You, you you know who really reminds me of of, of you uh, in WWE in terms of again that word authenticity. This feels real. Are uh, the Usos, especially when when, yes. when Jay was doing his own thing. Every time he was on the mic, it felt it didn't feel put on. It felt like this is really who that guy is.
0: Oh yeah, and they're also a great tag team. I give them all the respect in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, Moxley before, and, and obviously there, there's that connection there. Um, and for you, you know, what was supposed to be like one of those breakout moments was, it, you know, the now infamous exploding uh, a ring match where, where where you run out, throw yourself on on top of him. Uh, from from yeah. your perspective, I mean, after that goes the way it goes. Um, did you think, oh man, this is just over? It's like this was my big shot, and obviously no fault of your own, but that that thing became a meme, that became a punchline. How, um, kind of demoralizing, discouraging was how that whole thing turned out.
0: I wasn't demoralized uh because uh, neither was mox Because we both we both knew we can fix it. But what got me mad was I would I saw the look on Tony Khan's face and that bothered me you know what i mean that the disappointment in his face and and others who worked in that match or others who've who worked to set that up to see their disappointment that's what bothered me yeah you know what i mean and uh and nothing else really got to me there was no oh, this is my big chance i just remember me and mox went to the back and we were both like we got this and i was like oh yeah we got it we'll we'll talk tuesday about whatever we gotta do yeah but it was just seeing the disappointment in others, I was like, ah,
1: that sucks. It's an interesting attitude, you know, uh, because a lot of people would have been, like, uh, really demoralized. But, but it, it's interesting. And does that speak to how you guys, you know, came up together or something about what you bring to the table, that that is the attitude you brought to it is, no problem, we'll fix this?
0: Yeah, it's, it's sad, and it's also the show goes on. Mm-hmm. What were we going to do, shut down the whole promotion. You know what I mean? The show has to go on. So in other words, we got to flip it. We got to make it right.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? And and I think we learned that a lot of, like, especially me and Max, we learned that out on the independents. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go wrestle Thursday night somewhere. It's, fuck, there's 50 people in the audience. You come to the back, matches, whatever. You come to the back, the promoter gives you not even half your money, just whatever he can. Well, what are you going to do? Quit? No, because you have another show the next day, right? In a different state. Yeah, I mean, you have to go on. The show goes on.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a a hustle. That's it. Did that do uh, well? What what do you think that did to your career trajectory, for the better or for the worse or indifferent? I mean, if if that explosion is something else, and it's you know, it uh, it is the FMW. You know, uh, explosions. <laughs> do, do, yeah. do, does do are things any different?
0: I can't think about it. Yeah. Because if I think about it, I'm gonna drive myself nuts, and then do the possibilities. Because think about it, I can't change the past. Right. You know what I mean? And and to be honest with you, uh, I think after that, I started realizing that. See how long it takes me to get to actually grow up. It was after it was after that moment, and I believe Mark said it. He goes, "Well, show goes on," and I was like, "Yes, it does." And you know, and it made me realize, yeah, I can't change the past. So that also helped me move on in my life. Because there's a lot of dumb things I've said. There's a lot of dumb, violent, you know, things I've done in my past that I can't change. So why worry about it? Yeah. Just like with the exploding thing. I can't think about it. I can't think about what could have because I'm living now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Right. I'm doing pretty good now.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so I can't think about that stuff. And it, it, uh, it whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. That's my attitude.
1: Be- because you're doing so well now and it took so long to get here what is your sort of outlook uh, uh, on the future? Do you think, well, if I could get this far, I could get even further. I was aim- aiming for the NWA championship. How about the AW world championship? Or is there a part of you that things like, well, this is probably, you know, sort of my ceiling?
0: No, there's no ceiling. No. Once you put a ceiling on yourself, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that. I, when I signed the contract, I said to myself, I will be the world's champion. I said it to myself, that's the goal. I believe, again, my own code, it's not for everybody, it's my own code. I believe no matter what sport you do or what entertainment you do, you want to be the top. And for me, what shows that I am the top of this sport is being the world's champion. So -hmm. that's always the goal, that will always be the goal until I retire. And then when I retire or whatever and I have a different job, maybe I'm backstage, maybe I'm not, whatever it is, I have a new goal for life. But as of right now, in this sport, I want and I want, and this is me just throwing it out in the universe. I want and I will be world champion.
1: Do do you feel like the clock ticking? I mean, again, your age, how long you've been at this, you you talked about being in pain. Um, Do you feel it's something that needs to happen in the next Twelve months, twenty-four months.
0: No, no, I got time. No, I got time because now I know how to take care of my body, yeah. and now I'm 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 blessed enough to be paid, so I can buy me a sauna thing, a little portable sauna, or I can I can uh, buy myself uh, an ice bath. You know what I mean? Right. So I I got all that stuff, and and I'm working. I'm looking things up how to keep going, and longer and doctors and this and that and like I I tell people all the time I got 10 years left I believe Mm -hmm. so I can hit the magical number 30 because I used to be the old school wrestlers thing hit 30 years in the business that that's like when you really you know did it you know what I mean but I got 10 more years and I tell you right now I got eight great years
1: (laughs) but is is it discouraging um every time they hire another huge superstar with the giant reputation, former WWE, okay. another another Brian Dennis another CM Punk, uh, another Claudio. You know, because does that push you back in the line? Some does it make it that much harder to reach that top rung when all these other guys? You know, some people would say sort of cut the line.
0: No, no, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't get discouraging. Because this is what I used to tell Butcher and Blade when we used to be in the back. Because you got to remember, when I first started in the company, I wasn't really wrestling. Mm -hmm. I was just managing. And I told them, what you have to do is force the hand. Which means every time you go out there, you do better than what people think you're going to do. And you do great at it. Not good. Not okay. You do great at it. And you force them. You force the people. You force the promotion. You force the... Whatever you wanna call it, you force them to recognize you. And you force them to put you in good in these situations because you are good enough and you know what you're doing and you're gonna do it. So when they hire somebody, I look at it as competition. All right, step in the ring with me. Let's go. See what you got.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what
0: I mean? and, and nobody intimidates me because guess what, man? You ain't got a gun, you ain't got a knife, you ain't gonna kill me, you're gonna beat me up, hurt me, but trust me. I'll
1: heal. D- d- does it kind of put wind the wind in your sails that the fans oh, yeah. show behind you, right? Because you come, you're one of the most popular guys, beloved guys. Which I don't know, I would have ever called. I mean, it 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 uh, it's incredible. Like the 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 popularity. Did, it is it. Uh, you know, does does it make your heart swell up? You know, hearing hearing the fans love you as much as they do. Uh, I'm not, I, If I tell
0: you no, I'm definitely lying. <laughs> you know what I mean. So of course it feels good, but. I'm also the same guy Like that thinks to himself, okay, that's good for now. What happens in my next match? What happens in the next show? Because I got to keep going. I got to keep entertaining or fighting or whatever. Because when I go out there, everyone will be like, hey, you saw, You heard that reaction? I'll be like, no.
4: Uh-huh.
0: They're like, yeah, it was a great reaction. I go, that's cool. Because, like I said, Eddie Moore's dead and gone. There's Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's job is to win that match. Yeah. Whether people like it or not. And that's also the way I've been my whole life. You either like me for what I am or who I am and what I will become, or you don't mess with me. That's fine. Yeah. Also, fans have the right to cheer, to boo, to do nothing. They have that right. But I'd rather have them cheer and boo. And you know what
1: I mean. I don't want them not to do nothing. You know. And and I imagine you know you, you talk about having a little money now and being able to afford uh, some things and different quality of life. Um, d- does that happen without the fans applauding? I mean, I I, I imagine for Tony no, Khan. Not that it was it was it a doesn't. surprise, but but he, uh, he must have been taking my surprise somewhat. How much the fans got behind you?
0: I was. Yeah. The day that sign Eddie Kingston thing on Twitter, whatever. I was like, "What's going on? What is this?" Yeah, I remember Britt Baker texting me and said, "Hey, you're trending on Twitter." I go, "Does that mean I get paid?" She said, "No." I go, "Oh, okay." (laughs) Yeah, because I don't, I don't know none of that stuff. I'm a Neanderthal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I of course I give fans the credit. What? You know what I mean? They're the the fans. I I think a lot of people forget they're the lifeblood of this industry. Yeah. If they're not watching, we're done. What, what, so again, we, the reason why I say I don't care if they cheer or boo is because I want them to be there cheering and booing.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and what, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about this throughout this interview, but, but what is it that's connected with them? What, what do they see in you? Uh, is, is it, again, that authenticity that, that they see a real person out there?
0: To be honest with you, I, I cannot put my finger on it mm-hmm. because I'm just me. Yeah, you know I mean? any cases out there that's it i'm me uh uh-huh. i let other people i'll let you and my peers and and podcasters and and blogs i'll let them write why people are into me or why people aren't into me you know because i can't concern myself with it also I, I really can't put my finger on it to be <laughs> honest
1: yeah yeah, well, keep doing it, whatever it is.
0: <laughs> Thank you, man, I'll yeah. try. Yeah. All right,
1: Eddie, this was a real pleasure. This was a, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad we were able to do it. Uh, if there's anything else, I will uh, reach out to John. And, uh, yeah, a few weeks, I imagine, this will be dropping in the magazine.
0: All right, cool, man. Thank you very much. Do you ever go to Nathan's on Central?
1: Nathan's? No, I remember as a kid. I don't know. I, when, um, like, the, the, the treats were Howard Johnson's out there. Do you remember Howard Johnson's?
4: Yes! Of yeah, course.
1: and I think it became a Roy Rogers later. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what else? The, the, the Galleria Mall? Is that the outside one?
0: Yeah, that's all the way up in White Play. Oh, no, the Cross County Mall. Cross County Mall, I yeah. Outside.
1: I remember a uh, a Halloween contest at the Cross County Mall back in 1990 where I went dressed as the ultimate warrior.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. See, I, have, I have different memories of that place because that's when I was in the street trying to be a tough guy.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So the movie theater in Cross County was where everybody would go and fight yeah. or have beef with people, you know what I mean?
1: i it's funny because i always thought of of yonkers as like nice because i was in the bronx and that was like nicer than the bronx uh but yeah i guess there are some some real rough parts of yonkers
0: I oh, it was all just neighborhood bullshit. yeah <laughs> yeah that's all it was
1: did you did you catch like wbf shows at uh the the white, white plains what is that the uh the westchester county center
0: yeah, a couple times, and i went to a couple of uh, ECW. The one time ECW ran there, I went to Madison Square Garden shows. Yeah. I went to a bunch of shows.
1: My first ECW show was uh, the the Orange County Fair. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, I remember I brought an iron, and I had to ask my mom permission. Can I borrow this iron? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's when, like, you'd be handing weapons to the wrestlers. I think Tommy Dreamer took my iron and, and maybe, like, knocked out Rocco Rock with it or something like that. And of course I was really you do. excited. Of course you do. Why
4: wouldn't
1: they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Eddie, thanks so much, man. Have a good one.
4: All right, you too, bud. Take care.
1: Nice. Bye.